Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. The mornings at 7 on Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to uh, an hour uh, with Scott Noble, who's in studio. He's written a book called Beyond the Borderland. So here's a couple of thought-provoking questions. What paths have you been unwilling to take because of fear? Hmm. Are there opportunities available to you right now where fear is preventing you from acting? What about that idea? We're going to talk about things like that in this hour. What would your life look like if you had no fear? And we think that we can have fear and handle it, and other times we just we have a lot of trouble with it. So we're going to talk about that. His book is called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. And so we're going to take 60 seconds and then uh, come back. If you have... Uh, been made aware of this, I'd just like to uh, tell you that Dr. Tony Evans, his wife, passed away at the end of December. And if you go to TonyEvans.org, and if you're so inclined to send a card to the Evans family, you'd be um, more than welcome to do that. There's a P.O. box, you can send a card. And Dr. Uh, Lois um, Evans, his wife, passed away, and uh, she is in the arms of Jesus. So just thought I'd pass that on for those of you who like Tony Evans and listen to him here right at Faith Radio. We'll be right back. Grow in your faith every day through Faith Radio. We offer unique, original content through daily live and nationally recognized programs. You can find local airtimes for all your favorite shows by visiting MyFaithRadio.com and clicking on the Schedule tab. And if you ever miss a show, you can always listen to the podcast anytime. Check out your local schedule page under the Schedule tab at MyFaithRadio.com. When we come together across the lines that divide us, dreams come true. I have a dream today. As you listen to Faith Radio, we hope you find help to live out your faith in a meaningful, consistent way. And that means moving towards unity, engaging culture at a personal level. So will you join us, letting our light shine, demonstrating God's love? Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Okay, we do live in a broken world, and many of us wake up each day, and we've got pain and heartache of past decisions, and we feel sometimes a little hopeless, and that's not good. So hurdling each day's obstacles may feel like something that just goes on and on um, with no hope for change, but uh, we don't have to live this way. And Scott Noble is the founder and chief storyteller of Noble Creative, a communications agency that helps people and organizations tell their most compelling stories and he's written a book called beyond the borderland finding hope in a not so hopeful world we get him for the whole hour welcome scott yeah thanks for having me nice book i like it oh thanks you know i i was telling you and i started laughing because 
uh, you've got a lot of guts to start a book with this <laughs> line. As the sun began its late afternoon descent across the Minnesota landscape, the phone woke me from my nap. <laughs> <laughs> I love a guy who talks about his nap in line one of his book. Yes. And so I smiled and, and chuckled, and then as I read a little bit further, it involved uh, your dear friend Jeff. And that was quite a, a day in your life, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And that, uh, it's a day that happened in 1989 where I was uh, home from college on a, on a break, uh, Thanksgiving break, and phone rang. I was enjoying a nice uh, hour nap, maybe after a Vikings game, I don't remember. There you go. And uh, it was my grandmother calling my sister to tell me that my uh, best friend had been in a car accident out in college. He, went to, he was going to Laverne University out in California, and uh, he was, uh, had a brain injury, and at that point, um, he lived a few more days before uh, uh, he succumbed to death. And so that was that incident in 1989 sort of was a wake-up call in mm-hmm. many ways. It was a, one of those life-transforming events where, um, uh, you know, bef- everything before that time was one way and everything after that time was another way. And so I used that sort of as an uh, introduction, in a sense, to where I wanted to take off with the book and, and help people to sort of understand that even when we have episodes like this in our life, there's still, there still hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Jeff was um, kind of a guy you admired, yeah. and he uh, offered a lot in terms of, you know, the kind of thing, kind of life you wanted to have. And yeah, He was exactly. a good athlete, good student, and there was all kinds of things about him you admired. Exactly. He was a, he was a year older than me. I did not have an older brother. I had two older sisters, and uh, he was sort of that big brother uh, model for me. Uh, we did a lot of things together. Obviously, we had we had love of basketball. Um, we also had a love of music. Um, mm-hmm. We had the same music tastes, and uh, he was the guy that I say in the book who seemingly always did the right thing, and I seemingly was the guy who always wanted to do the right thing, but never, or I shouldn't say, but but rarely did the right thing, or not as often as I should have done the right thing. So he was not only not only my best friend at the time, but just just a wonderful um, big brother figure in my life and and mentor. And I, you know, it's one of those things where you don't necessarily realize it at the time that that person mm-hmm. is serving in that role so i never got a chance to tell him that yeah um, oh, that's sweet but uh it's um just a wonderful wonderful person and how old are you scott when when jeff died i was 1989 so i would have been 20 years old Boy, so you're still you're a young man yes trying and, to figure out my my way in the world <laughs> yeah and that's kind of one of those losses that kind of do live forever don't they they do and it was as i talk about in the book you know it was i had lost um you know, loved ones before in my life, mm-hmm. but they 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 were distant relatives, at least to me. I didn't know them really well. Jeff was the first person that I um, knew very well and was, you know, meant a lot to me in the sense of, you know, having a, a daily interaction with him. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a marker in my life and a marker for a lot of different reasons, one of them being, you know, my faith in God. Yeah. Well, I want to hear that story. Let's um, talk a little bit about the title of your book, Beyond the Borderland. What is a borderland? Yeah, the borderland is kind of that that place. Uh, author and pastor Mark Buchanan talks about this, the borderland. It's between uh, faith and, uh, I guess unfaith isn't really a word, but belief and unbelief. It's, okay. that, it's that area where we sometimes struggle, where we're, where everything is going wrong in our life, and we're like, we're starting to doubt God's plan for our life, or does God even really care about me? Is, is God even, is, is he even there? And there's that, it's that borderland um, that we sometimes sit in. And was, that that description of what that borderland looks like was just very meaningful to me. And so I, I sort of put together the book with that framework in mind. It's, it's getting us beyond that borderline, helping us to move from that area sometimes where we can have so many questions about, is God there? Does he care for me? Um, why can't I hear his voice to 
fully embracing who he is mm-hmm. and what he means in our life and what he's doing for us. Yeah, Scott, I would love to hear your faith story. Yeah. It sounds like we were 20 when you had your wake-up call. Was, was that Was that sort of the defining moment where you were asking God, who are you and how do yeah. I know you? Yeah, it was it was the start of of that. I had, I had, was very fortunate. I grew up in a in a Christian household and had wonderful parents and and two awesome. wonderful sisters. Made a decision for Christ when I was young. Um, okay, you know, probably six or seven. I don't remember the exact age, but I don't know if I ever really grasped um, fully who God was and what what He meant in my life. And so I said, you know, I kind of had this this um, relationship where yeah, I believed in God, but I didn't really have that daily walk with Him. And this, when when Jeff died, you know, brought up all those doubts. Like, wow, if I believe in this God and who He is, why does He let, you know, the typical question that a lot of us have in our lives: Why does why do bad things happen to good people? And mm-hmm. God, is He still love me? Is He still there? What what does this mean? And so that just started um, several years of questioning and sort of figuring out is what is this faith that I so tepidly hold on to? And fortunately for me, I, I had met my soon to be wife soon after that. And she was a new Christian at the time. She had a uh, a new faith. She had enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. She had a, a love of God that and and faith and excitement that I that I had never had before. And I started to say, "Wow, I want what she has." And so that started me sort of on that journey to rediscovering my faith in God. And I rededicated my life to Him several years after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Jeff had died, yep. did you have these thoughts? Um, do you think about your own mortality at that time? What if that would have been you? Mm-hmm. Um, and d- did you have those thoughts or not? Yes, I did. I I wouldn't say, um, let me put it this way. I, I struggled with um, suicidal thoughts for several months after that. There were many, I talk about in the books, there were, in the book, there were many times driving to school where I thought, why don't I just pull the car off the road? Why do I need to continue to go? This is such a huge life-defining moment for me, I felt like I had lost hope. Mm. And so I, I, I thought about my mortality in that perspective, um, and maybe not in a sense of how easily, you know, life is balanced in this world. And it's one of those things where as you get older, you look back and you say, well, wow, I'm, you know, 40 now, I'm 45 now, I'm 50 now. Just think, you know, God has kept me on this earth for this long. I wonder if there's a plan for him. Jeff didn't get an opportunity. He was mm-hmm. gone at 21 and so you start to think in those terms as you get older. Yeah. Scott Noble is my guest. We're chatting about his book, Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Scott Noble is my guest. He's in studio, which I love. He's written a book called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. And Scott, right before break, we were chatting about the borderland definition, kind of that place between belief and unbelief. So how do you escape that place? Yeah, that's a great question. I I wish I had all the answers to it, but I I think what we've tried to do, what I've tried to do in the book is um, point to Scripture, point to um, opportunities that Jesus had to teach those around him and minister to those around him and demonstrate to those around him what we do when we encounter those types of situations. And I think it's easy sometimes to forget that the people in that Jesus ministered to had a lot of the same issues that we have. I mean, the world hasn't changed that much. They were 
They struggled with, with sin. They struggled with betrayal. Mm-hmm. They struggled with, you know, depression, all those sorts of things. And Jesus touches on so many of those things. And I think we just forget sometimes to, to look to his stories and how he ministers to people and the parables that he describes and how we can walk with Jesus during those difficult times in our life. So the book kind of, the way it's, the way I put it together was answering sort of four or five big questions that all Christians, not all Christians, that a lot of Christians face at different times in their life. Mm-hmm. Is there a way out? Yes. That's, that must be one of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yep. Let me read John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That sounds like a way out. Yeah, exactly. And it's just embracing that. It's that everyday um, journey. It's that time we spend with him, not only, um, you know, in one-to-one in prayer and scripture reading, but as a church body, as fellow believers. It's that never try, never allowing yourself or trying never to allow yourself to, to continue to go down that road where where you feel like you there is no hope and trying to turn around and embrace Christ and embrace what he is what he is what he has for each of us. Mm-hmm. I mean just think of like the woman caught in adultery. Yes. Yeah. Um powerful story. Great yeah. illustration of God calling someone out of darkness into light. Yeah, and I love that story too because for most of that story, most of that parable, Jesus doesn't say a word. You know, he he sits on the ground and at the end, you know, he 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 writes on the sand and then he he tells the people who are involved there, you know, who is without sin, let him be the first one to throw the stone. But most of that part, Jesus is just, is, is there. He's he, he's not saying a lot, but then he comes out with, with super powerful words and um, I think the gives, you know, several life lessons to the woman caught in adultery, not, not just go and sin no more, which he tells her, but also he provides a way for her through faith in him so that she can live the life that maybe that she wasn't living before, that she can embrace him and live a different life. Mm-hmm. Scott, what about decisions or actions from our past yeah. that are haunting us? Yeah. And they're still there. Yeah. What do we do with those? Those are those are hard too, but I, you know, it's, it's that, it, it, talking about the verse you just read and embracing the light that is Christ and it's embracing that the future that is set before us, we have forgiveness of sins, we have forgiveness for the things we've done in the past, that doesn't mean that always that the consequences aren't there. You know, if I if I steal my neighbor's lawnmower and, and the, the cops catch me and they, they tell me, well, you're going to be on probation for a year, that's a consequence that I have to live with. And you're going to be cutting your neighbor's lawn for exactly. about the next three summers. And that's going to be a, that's going to be a fun relationship. You're going to wish you never stole it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but you know that you have forgiveness of sins and you need to look forward and embrace that. And, it, you know, I don't, it, it's easy to sound trite and say, well, you just need to, you know, embrace the future and not look at the past. And it's a difficult thing, but I think, Looking at Scripture and looking at the the hope that Jesus gives the wom- the woman at the well and countless other people in Scripture that their past doesn't have to haunt them, their past doesn't have to define them, but it it won't it won't define them if they embrace Him and what He has in store for mm-hmm. their life. He has a unique plan for each of us because Christ clearly wants to help ease our burdens. He talks about that often. Come yes. to come to me, all of you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. Yep, exactly. And I think you know that doesn't mean again that we won't have struggles in this world, but uh, not carrying those burdens and not um, um, trying to do it on our own is 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 the challenging part. Giving those over to Christ and embracing Him and what He has for us. Okay, Scott. So if we have some past decisions or things that we've done that haunt us a little bit, and memories creep in, um, we don't like that when that happens. Yeah. How do we? What can we do today and then maybe even tomorrow so we we give this to Christ and we don't feel this 
the burden of our past. Yeah, and I think it might be, you know, somewhat different for each of us, but I think, you know, one way to to approach that is to to go to Christ in prayer, to say, I'm, you know, I need to, to rid myself of the pain of this past decision or whatever it might be. I need to give it to you. I, I surrender it to you. It's no longer a burden I want to carry. It's a burden that you're going to carry because you promised to carry it for me. And I think just being in relationship with, with a mentor or another friend or your pastor or whoever it might be to just help you to to continue on that journey to freeing you from that burden, just to check in with you every week or every couple of days or how often it is to say, how are you doing with that? You know, mm-hmm. are you, did you give that burden over to Christ? Are you still struggling with it? Are you still, you know, is it still causing you a problem? Let's pray together at that. Let's, you know, counsel together. Let's read scripture together. It's it's a multifaceted approach. I don't think, you know, necessarily we can, for sometimes obviously we can we can ask Christ to, to take a burden away from us and it's automatically gone. Obviously it is in a, in a theological sense, but, it doesn't mean humanly that we don't struggle with it, but just having that person to walk beside us that can help us each day to, to release that to Christ and continue to release it mm-hmm. is good. Scott Noble is my guest. His book is called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. Okay, question three, Scott's got a big question. <laughs> what if? Boy, that's a big one. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things that, you know, personally in my own life that, that I struggle with a lot is just the what-if questions. You know, sometimes we'll... Um, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a family outing. We'll say, hey, let's, let's go and we'll take a trip to, we'll go to Duluth for the weekend or something. And immediately in my mind, um, I'll start thinking, well, what if, what if the car breaks down? Or, <laughs> you know, what if we run out of gas? Or what if the hotel says that they have a room for us or they don't? You know, all these what if questions. And again, it's that surrendering thing. And, and, and a lot of people have much, you know, um, more important what if questions than the, the example I just gave. But those questions that we all have, how do we give those up and surrender them to Christ? And knowing that our eternal destiny is in him should free us up to live with much more freedom on this planet than oftentimes we, we allow ourselves to. Is that kind of a quirky personality thing you might have, or is that a spiritual thing <laughs> or, or, com- yeah. or a combination of both? Well, I think I have probably a quirky personality. That's yeah. probably true. But, I, you know, I think we're probably all wired, you know, in certain ways. And I think the, the what if you know, question is probably a little bit of my personality. I think I'm just wired that way or I'm, where I'm always thinking sure. about what if this happens or what if that happens. And I, I, I'm much better now than I was 10 or 15 years ago. And my wife has was has helped me a lot when just thinking about the, those things. She'll, um, if I start going down that route, she will, um, sometimes she'll pointedly say to me, well, how big is your God? Mm, I like and, that. And I'll say, wow, that's that kind of gets me right back on track. Mm-hmm. So Now, I'm... I'm much in favor of nice analysis about what if, (laughs) you know, what if you get to Duluth and it's three below and it's July 10th, then what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Um, So some of that's healthy, but when it gets to the point where you're unwilling to take risks or unwilling to take action because of fear, speak to that. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, that's a, that's a burden again. That's something, something that's, derailing, you know, what God's plan is for you in this world. God doesn't want you to live like that. God doesn't want you to have to be um, sort of padlocked into this what-if um, fear thinking. He wants you to live for him, and he wants you to to live boldly for him and wants you to take risks for him and, and just enjoying our life. We have, you know, we, we have life and, and have abundant life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we're promised in Scripture. Again, that doesn't mean that, you know, we won't, face challenges or troubles, but those are the things that we can give over to Christ and he can, he can help 
to lift that burden from our lives so we can live freely. Yeah. Scott, talk yeah. a little bit about what God commanded and promised Joshua. And does that, you know, does that hold true for today? Yeah, I think, you know, when I when I think of Joshua, I just I think of, of you know, just a couple words, you know, be don't be afraid, you know. Right. Be not I mean there's just the whole book <laughs> encapsulated in, in my in my mind is just not to be afraid. And I think, you know, again, that's that's a really hard thing. I mean, you know, I, I talk about a lot in the book incidences in our life like you know the boss calls you into his office and says you know we're gonna sorry but you know we're gonna have to cut you or um you know you you go to the doctor's office and say well you're gonna have to come back because the blood test didn't come Mm -hmm. back good or you know uh, your best friend says you know i don't i don't want to be your friend anymore or betrays you or whatever those are things that you know stalk us or shadow us each and every day so it's hard in a sense not to have that idea in our mind that we that there are things to be afraid of but just looking at the example of what god did with with joshua and the command several times many times throughout that book is be not afraid it's because again what christ has done on the cross for us our eternal destiny is with him um god wants us to live boldly in this life to take that fear and to toss it away again not that we don't live um, with certain guardrails and that sort of thing, but to to embrace his life that he has for us. Mm-hmm. I know we all think about from time to time what our lives would look like yeah. if we had no fear. Now, mm-hmm. um, we'd probably be taking a lot of bold risks. Yes. And not all would be wise, but, you know. Um, <laughs> exactly. Think about it in terms of what you could do spiritually if you thought, I'm going to boldly just talk to this person about the Lord. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to fear rejection. Yeah. Exactly. How about that? Yeah. And as you get older too, you, as you think back in your life and you look, what, a, you know, what would the last 20 years have looked like if I didn't have fear, if I didn't, didn't have that, you know, underpinning idea of, you know, I'm going to make a mistake or this isn't going to turn out right. But if we embrace Christ and what if we would have embraced Christ for those 20 years and imagine what our life could have been? Well, I think the goal is to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because if you're not making mistakes, you're not you're trying not very much. You're not. <laughs> That's true. You're not putting yourself out there. And trust me, yeah. God's going to take, you know, the mistakes and teach you what he wants to teach you with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So have you had, uh, how have you moved on the fear continuum uh, personally? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, again, I think that's one of the areas where I'm definitely better in the sense of, of where I was before, but there, you know, there's always times in your life where, where fear and anxiety can sort of creep up again. And I just have to remember of, you know, where my hope comes from and to, to sort of center myself back on God's word and what he promises us and what I know he wants for my life and to surrender that back to him. Yeah. yeah. I always sometimes ask myself, am I listening to my heart or am I speaking to my heart? Mm. So if I speak to my heart, I'll be good. Yeah. I'll speak God's truth to my heart. That's Scott Noble is my guest. His book is called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. If uh, you've heard something said today you'd like clarification on or you have a question or something you'd like to uh, chime in with, let us know. You can send us a text at 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. at 8 on Faith Radio.
Scott Noble is my guest. He's the founder and chief storyteller of Noble Creative. He's written a book called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. We sometimes find that borderland, that area between belief and unbelief. Many of us wake up each day and there's pain and heartache of past decisions. And sometimes there's present circumstances in our life. And a lot of it makes us feel anxious and sometimes hopeless. So Scott's going to help us uh, navigate our way through some of these places that we find ourselves in. In Psalm 25, verse 16, in the New Living uh, Testament, it says, Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. I just know that represents a lot of listeners that feel lonely and they feel a little isolated, and there's plenty of distress that each day brings. So it's how we handle that and how we let God into those circumstances. But in chapter four, Scott, you say, why do I feel so alone? Yeah. And that's, that was um, probably one of the the more challenging chapters to write. And the, the story that I sort of lead into that chapter with is, is a compilation of, of several different um, experiences that I've, people have told me about growing up without a, uh, without a father or a mother in a certain household Mm -hmm. and how a child can feel betrayed or alone, not knowing where mom or dad is for whatever reason um, the mom and dad left and they were alone. And I use that sort of as a jumping off point as that, how that kid might feel so alone throughout their uh, growing up periods, not understanding everything that's happened around him and how we as adults for numerous different reasons um, feel that way ourselves, whatever the circumstances might be, whether it, uh, you know, it might be anxiety or depression or it's a broken relationship or a multitude of things is, is that feeling of, wow, I'm, I'm just so alone. There's no one here for me. I've been betrayed or people have left me or, or whatever. So I try to bring in a couple examples from scripture to that, that sort of address that. And, and Jesus talks so much about, you know, um, coming to him when we're, as we talked about earlier, when we when we have burdens and when we feel alone and when we're um, looking for relationship. And if you look at, you know, the Psalms, so many of David's Psalms are about how he feels alone when he has enemies against him and how he feels at times that God has abandoned him. And so I just tried to bring in some of those stories to help people to see that they're not alone in the sense that their experiences are not new. They're not new to God. They're not new in, in human history and that God has um, offered us the opportunity to embrace him and embrace relationship with him, and, and he can help us so that we're not feeling so alone. Again, it, it's, it's difficult in a personal standpoint, but our relationship with Christ can definitely help move us toward um, the possibility of not feeling so alone. You know, you think of Satan's strategy. He has no ability to create anything. All he does is counterfeit. Yeah and turn the truth into a lie. When yep. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, yeah. there's the truth. Yep. So Satan's only option is to be saying, nobody cares about you, you're going to be alone, yeah. you're going to die alone, and that's just not true. Yeah, exactly. And just look at Jesus, how, how everyone abandoned him at, at crucifixion. Um, he, he definitely can feel and understand oh, yes. and sense what we're going through in our life because he's been there, and he's been there in a much worse way. It's interesting, you know, he feeds people and thousands show up. Yeah. <laughs> he teaches people and hundreds and hundreds show up. He talks about his death and you know, 12 people show up and then he goes to the cross and mom shows up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, mom and John. Yeah. Mom and John, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. But I mean, talk about Joseph and the betrayal he must have felt. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're, again, you're betrayed by the people who are most important in your life, your, your brothers, you know, and how they um, abandon you. I mean, the same, these are the same brothers who you probably played with on a daily basis to some degree. You, you worked with, you had a relationship with. Uh, the people that are closest to you, their blood relationships, so maybe you might even feel a closer connection to them, and um, they betrayed you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a, a... There are numerous examples through Scripture and human history of, of betrayal and desperation and feeling so mm-hmm. alone. Now, clearly, Jesus suffered the worst betrayal imaginable. Yeah. I mean, I know listeners, probably including myself, have been affected in the past by pain or betrayal or abandonment or something that just really hurt. So now that Jesus is um, wanting us whole, how do we attach ourselves to this healing power that he wants to make available to us? Yeah, and I think it's it's that primary, it's that relationship. Uh, when our primary relationship is with Jesus and we focus on him and what he has done for us and what he has promised to us, um, it helps our more horizontal relationships with those around us. It can help heal those relationships. Again, knowing, um, and I think the important thing too is is to understand is not every you know ill or ailment or difficulty in life is, is going to be healed on this side of heaven, as we know that. And so, with some of the challenges that we have, it's just knowing that there's someone there to walk with us through it, mm-hmm. and just knowing that Jesus is there to walk with us through whatever that challenge is. So if it's, if it's a feeling alone or desperation, knowing that Jesus understands that because he's been there, knowing that he can offer comfort through prayer and through direction and through his word and through the church. Um, I think that is a huge step. And again, we might not find complete healing from whatever that challenge is on this side of heaven, but knowing that we have someone who will walk next to us with his arm around us, um, telling us, Hey, I got this for you. Mm -hmm. Scott, how many times in, life do, do we do you think we say this i don't know what to do yeah yeah i mean that's a recurring theme in all of our lives isn't it exactly yeah and, and it can be in sort of a sort of a light-hearted approach to this I, I talk about the story in the book about in seminary one of our seminary pr- professors we were talking about trying and figuring out god's will for your life and and sometimes it's it's difficult as you know and um he he brought up the example of you know say i have a job offer in dallas denver and detroit um, is there exact um, direction that God wants me to go? Maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. he might want me to take the job in Detroit, but does that mean if I took the job in Denver, not necessarily knowing if that was the right job for me or not, does that mean that God is going to love me any less? Or is he going to abandon me because, well, I told you it was Detroit and you misunderstood me and you took mm-hmm. Dallas or Denver or whatever. So it's, 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 not, it's trying to understand God's will for our life but at the same time, knowing that regardless of what direction we might take, God is still there for us and he's still going to love us even if we make a mistake. Even if, even if I know that I'm supposed to take the job in Dallas and I take the job, job in Detroit and I, and I you know, don't abide by his will and that, that it's been directed to me, he still loves me. Mm-hmm. He still cares for me. So maybe we're stuck, a little stuck. I don't know what to do. And maybe we are still thinking about some past betrayals in life mm, or yeah. times when it just hurt more than ever. And when you ask yourself, I wonder what my life would look like today if I was beyond that. Yeah. Isn't that kind of an exciting thought to invite Christ into to say, can yeah. you help me get there? Yeah, exactly. Like, like we were talking about earlier is, you know, if we would have abandoned fear, you know, what would our life may have looked like 10, 10 years or the past 10 years or the past 20 years and, and just 
looking of the opportunities that God has for us if we can abandon that and and embrace Him. I think it's, it's just a it's an exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Imagine the things you can do through Him in this world. It's exciting. Yeah, Scott. I think the the whole concept of anxiety and stress, and you know, as you get older, you start to feel more reasons for stress and anxiety with life. But yeah. God says, no, give them all to me. So talk about how anxiety has got a power, yeah. especially today with it does with uh, technology and everything else in the world. Yeah, and, and you know, that's that's a tough one. I think you're right. In the 21st century, I think there, there are even more opportunities for anxiety, not that anxiety wasn't, you know, prevalent hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but just with our fast-paced world, the technology, the challenges that we have, how um, seemingly life maybe isn't viewed as important as it was years ago. Um, anxiety is a tough one. And it I, is. I think it's one of those things where, again, we talked about surrendering those things over to God. It's it's about having someone in your life who can walk with you as God sort of directs your steps. It's giving him that burden. It's having a pastor or a mentor or a friend saying, you know, I'm going to walk with you and we're going to figure this out together, whether it's taking, you know, in some cases, obviously some people struggle with depression or anxiety, they might take medication or other people that there might be certain programs they want to take, but it's having that mentor, that Christ led mentor who can help you figure out what those steps or methods might be in your life to help you walk through them. But knowing in the end that God wants you to give those burdens over to him. Mm -hmm. Did you have an area in your life, Scott, where there were anxiety was riding really high and you figured out a way to calm that down? Yeah, there there are probably a lot of different areas in my life where anxiety has, has reared its head. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier with my wife saying, how big is your God? I think it's not necessarily a specific area where the anxiety maybe rears its head, but it's having those times when I'm faced with those challenges where I will remember that in my head and I will try to forge forward with that new mindset. I think that's where, that's probably the the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if a listener has some stress and anxiety that feels like it's kind of ruling their life a little bit yeah. right now, what action step can they take today? Yeah, I think praying, first of all, praying and saying, God, what, what do you need me to do? What do you want me to do? This, this anxiety is taking over my life. That's really talking to God, isn't it? It is talking to God. It's giving that over to him. And I think it's also finding that that pastor, that mentor, that friend who can walk with you and say, here, you know, let's pray about this together and let's figure out what what are some steps we can take. Because if we're here today, if we're at point A, how do we get to point C or D or E down the road? And I think that's, you can get there through praying and your pastor giving you some ideas or but it's coming up with that plan. Yeah. It's not just sitting there and not doing anything. What I keep hearing it. you say, Scott, is don't go it alone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if I picked up one thing today, yeah. Scott, that, that would be it. Because you've mentioned that more than once. Yes. Find someone that can carry this burden with you and, and keep you accountable and help you navigate through it. I think that's just the model of Christ. I mean, I think, you know, the... As we look to Christ to be our companion, in a sense, in this world, it's finding that personal companion as well, someone who is led by Christ, who has a relationship with Christ as well, who can help us take those steps, keep us accountable, challenge us, and can, you know, caress us and hug us when we screw up or having a hard time, but can help us to move forward as well and challenge us. So what can we learn from David? Because he was able to be incredibly honest with God. Oh, my goodness. I know. And I I just love reading the Psalms. And, And there's so many of those Psalms that we read you know, written, you know, two or 2,500 years ago or more about 
David saying some of the same things that we're saying today. You know, God, I just feel so alone. I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like my enemies are winning. I feel like you're not there. I mean, those are all things that we think about from time to (laughs) time in our lives, and we might express them verbally or in prayer. But I think David's example is just being honest with God. You know, it's not sitting down and doing your devotions and praying and trying to, you know, hide things from God that you're struggling with. I think it's being honest, saying, God, I'm really struggling with this. I wanted you to be there, and I don't feel like you're there. What am I, you know, what, what do I do? We also, I think, Scott, you're suggesting, like David, be very specific with God. Yeah. Don't just pray a vague general prayer, but say specific things to him. Yeah, I, you know, I think God hears all of our prayers, but you know, maybe in, in spite or instead of saying, God, I struggle with anxiety, say, God, I'm struggling with anxiety about my job or mm-hmm. about this trip that I have to take next year to wherever, you know, being very specific or this person at work, I'm really having a hard time with, you know, God, what do I do? And I, you know, like you said, just being very specific with God, I think God honors those prayers and helps us. Mm-hmm. Scott Noble is my guest. His book is Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. We'll take a short break and we'll come right back with Scott. We're back with Scott Noble. His book is called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. And Scott has dealt with some very difficult, challenging issues in his book because a lot of us are looking for um, hope, new hope. We want, we have hope in Christ, but we, we've got life circumstances that we're still trying to navigate our way through. And Scott, in Chapter 6, you asked the question, which a lot of people have asked, and that is, why me? <laughs> yes. I think that's, like you said, it's a question all of us ask at some point in our lives. Why did this happen to me? Mm-hmm. Why am I the one that has to bear this burden, whatever that burden might be? And I tell the story um, about my sister, who um, my oldest sister, who's was wonderful sister, who when she was in her early 50s was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if anybody knows anything about cancer, that's one of the least um, curable cancers. And from diagnosis to, to death was literally three months or three and a half months. And that question of, I'm thinking about it from her perspective. Why me? Why? What? Why did that happen to me? And that, and trying to understand where God is in those struggles. And you know, it's one of those difficult things to answer. But I keep coming back to the promise that we all have of um, eternity with Christ for those who have put their faith in Him, and embracing that, however difficult it might look like. And now. A lot of us, I mean, hopefully, fortunately, don't have a, a, a terminal diagnosis, but those of us who are struggling with whatever it might be, a chronic illness or a, or a chronic unemployment or a myriad other issues, feeling like, well, why did God choose me um, to, to, to bear this burden? And, I, you know, I think what, it's one of those things that we don't know the answer to until we, we spend time with him in eternity, but also know that whatever that burden that God has given us, that he doesn't abandon us during that time, that he's there with us during that time. Um, just from my, in this, in a, from a selfish perspective, I, I write a little bit about in the book how when my sister was sick and she was in the hospital, the 
pretty regularly the last month of her life or the last month or two, actually. And every day I would go to the hospital and see her because she was in the hospital down near where I lived. I would go see her, and I wanted there to be light every day. I wanted to see light, whatever that light might be. Every day was so dark. Every day was so depressing. Every day there was no good news, and I just wanted there to be light. And I Mm. prayed every day, God, show me some light. I didn't see that light. But when I look back, um, when I sat down several months after she died, and I looked, I prayed about it, and I saw that God was there every single step of the way during that terrible heart-wrenching um, journey that we went through in little ways and in big ways. But I didn't see it at the time. I saw it um, many months after, and I still think about that, still think about new ways that he was there with us and shown showed his light to us in ways that we didn't even recognize at the time. Yeah, Scott, some of our more challenging uh, questions regarding theology is uh, evol- involves sickness and death, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, yeah, it's that's a tough one for sure. Yeah, yeah, and there's like I said, there's no easy easy answers, but I think it's one of those things where trusting that God has a plan for you, and then looking where we all, those of us who put our faith in Him, will spend eternity with Him, whether where there will be no pain or discomfort or cancer or death or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there are a lot of listeners have gone through extended periods yeah. of suffering through an illness yeah. or that with a loved one, and it does not always reveal to you what God is teaching you, but mm-hmm. you always seem to see it in your rearview mirror, don't you? Yeah, you do, and I think that's one of the things about perseverance. First, perseverance is you know mentioned so many times in Scripture, not not just overtly but covertly about having, you know, persevering in whatever circumstances that we're in our life because we know that our faith is in Christ. He's walking with us even though we can't see it at the time, but we know that he's there. And in the end, we know that we have the eternal embrace of Christ that we will enjoy forever. Mm -hmm. Scott, what about when we go through personal trials? what What is Christ calling us to do during those personal trials? Yeah, I think there are a lot a lot of things, and it would be different for every person, but I think, you know, he, I think he's drawing us closer to him. I think he's looking for us to rely on him more, to give him more of our burdens. I think he's, you know, teaching us about other people's struggles. You know, if I struggle with, you know, this issue and I'm learning things, I'm also understanding what someone else is struggling with who may have something similar to me or something that's a little bit different, but... I'm understanding things about their life as well. And I'm also understanding more about who Christ is. I think by um, sort of if you're giving giving those things over to him, embracing him, trying to draw closer to him, we're understanding more about who he is and how much he loves us, um, even in our pain and heartache. Mm -hmm. I think suffering and illness has driven more people out into the wilderness. Yeah. And that that period in their life where they just feel like, "Where, where is God? How can there be the answer I'm looking for? Yeah. It's it's so troubling. Yep, and those are age-old questions. You know, it's the dark night of the soul that we, many of us, if not all of us, had faced at some time in our life. Yeah, which uh, conveniently brings me to chapter seven <laughs> in your book, and that is, I can't face tomorrow. Yeah, and that's it's, it's a cry of, for help, isn't it? Yeah, it's a cry for help. It's the I'm at I'm at the end of my wits. I don't know what to do. Um, what what can I do? And and again, um, it's understanding that you're not the only person who has ever been in that position. Christ is there with you. Um, even if you don't feel like he is, it's understanding that he is and knowing that he's there um, and knowing that um, you're not alone. I think that's a huge thing. And, and if you have friends and relatives around you when you're going through those issues, 
it's talking very frankly with them about what you're struggling with and being open to them so they can so they can minister to you through Christ as well. Mm-hmm. God certainly does not want us to feel like despair is overtaking us at any yes. time. He wants us to know that he will be there as our comforter all yes, the time. Exactly. Because um, yeah. we sometimes will, will in well-intentioned, pull out stories from Scripture and apply them to people in their situation when mm-hmm. they just need us to be with them. Yep, exactly. Yep, to I mean, serve as a friend. And I... Like like we were talking about earlier, how you you can look back at times in your life where at the where during that time you didn't recognize what God was doing or another person was doing in your life. But so many of those times, it was just that person sitting next to you and having that conversation, or mm-hmm. just sitting next to you for whatever reason. I remember just with my sister's illness, the chance that I had just to to sit with her in the hospital the the last few months, she didn't, or the last couple of weeks, she didn't communicate hardly at all. But just sitting with her. I think provided a comfort. I don't know that for sure, but I think it did. Um, just knowing that there's someone there with you. Mm-hmm. Here's a question probably no one can answer. So what do you think you would have done or how would you have responded if you were like in Job's situation? I mean, like in a short period of time, you lose everything. Yes. <laughs> Not to mention you got sores and, you know, you're scraping with broken clay bits. Yeah, and you have friends who are trying to be helpful, but, but they're not. sometimes they're not right. really helpful. Yes, it, you know, I... Who knows what any of us would have done in those situations? Um, it's it's an unimaginable to lose everything like that, and to go through the physical pain and obviously the spiritual trials that that Job was going through as well. But in the end, he was restored back everything that he had lost and more. But I think the important thing to know about that story is not the what he gained back in this world, but his eternal destination. Mm-hmm. Scott, let's wrap up our time together talking about the great anticipation. That is our future home. Yeah, and I I liked writing this chapter. This is, in a sense, it was the, the easiest chapter to write. In a sense, it's the hardest chapter to write because I don't think, you know, the words that I have don't encapsulate sort of what I was trying to communicate in the sense of, you know, standing before Christ on that day, whenever that might be, when we meet Him face to face and looking in His eyes and and seeing in His eyes the complete and total understanding of everything that you've been through in your life and mm-hmm. having that someone who has that depth of knowledge of who you are, forming you in the womb, walking with you throughout your entire life and knowing everything about you and all the struggles you've had. is just an amazing, it's amazing. I, I sometimes get weepy thinking about it, how that moment will be. And I think all of us can, can look forward to that uh, expectation that we have to meet Christ face to face, to spend eternity with him, um, to have no pain, no fear, None of the things that we we talked about for the last hour, mm-hmm. all, all those things are going to be gone. How about every every pain relieved and every yeah. broken moment fixed? Yes, and every everything beautiful restored. Yes, exactly, and it, all the the loved ones that you've lost in your life, and the relationships were broken, and the yes, all those things healed and restored, and it's going to be wonderful. When you think of heaven. Um, I think of the glory of being in fellowship with God all throughout all of eternity. It just makes this short, brittle life seem like, "Mm, let's just try to spend all of our time sharing the good news with other people. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good motivation for all of us. Yeah. Do you ever daydream about heaven? I do. Oh, cool. I do. Yes. Um, I think when I I remember many times when I was little, uh, imagining what heaven would be like and, uh, 
and as I'm as I've gotten older, I imagine it as well. And I, you know, I it's it's beyond human comprehension of what heaven is going to be like, other than the fact that we know that you know, like we said before, no pain, love is going to rule, um, you know, communion with Christ, all those things. Um, hard to imagine that there's anything in this life that we'll miss. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that with restored yeah. fellowship and yeah. in, in God's holy city where he's yeah. in charge. I, yeah. I can't imagine. No, I can't imagine either. I, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Scott, thank you for coming in. Thank you yeah, for thank talking you. about the book. And you know, it's, you've covered such a um, difficult subject and you've done it with such grace and ease. Oh, and thank it's you. It's very readable. Scott yeah. Noble has been my guest. The book is called Beyond the Borderland, Finding Hope in a Not-So-Hopeful World. Um, I suppose you can shoot online and get this. Yeah, you can get it on Amazon or yep. you can go to noblecreativepress.com. Yeah. So that wraps up our time with Scott. We're going to uh, take a little break, and then when we come back, we're going to be joined uh, by Dr. Alex McFarland. And also in the second part of the next hour, Kylie Crossland will be joining us. She is from World Digital. It's going to be a wonderful hour as well. We'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.